0: This podcast is brought to you by Ethis, the world's first Islamic compliant property crowdfunding platform. Visit our website ethis.co to learn about our exciting projects and halal investment opportunities.
1: Hi everyone and welcome to Ethis X The World Tomorrow. Uh, Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi Today we have uh, with us brother Almir, Almir, sorry, let me repeat that. Almir Kolan from Australia. How are you brother Almir?
0: Alaikum, salam, rahmatullah. Alhamdulillah, very well. very glad to be today with you here.:
1: Alhamdulillah, thank you for making time for this uh, interview. We're going to be diving into some of your uh, favorite topics, <laughs> which are also my favorite topics, which is focus on the Islamic finance, Islamic investments, and also the world economy in general, you know, how it has been affected by this uh, COVID situation and also how we should look at the future or prepare for the future. So before we go deeper into that, maybe, you know, uh, please share with us a little bit about your background, what you have been doing, what you're focused on today. Uh, Go ahead, please. Uh,
0: My background is I'm involved in Islamic finance. I run a center that does consultancy and education uh, and also teach at various uh, places, institutions, and so on. At the same time, uh, I'm with a few friends of mine. Uh, We have a company, Olive Investment, that invests in uh, Australian healthcare. We run uh, uh, clinics and also we are in the process of starting uh, online uh, uh, health clinics here in Australia.
1: Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much for a very concise uh, background. And the Australian Centre for Islamic Finance has been around for nine years now, close to 10 years. That's a very long time. Um, how, how has it changed from the beginning You know, uh, in terms of your objectives as well as your activities?
0: In the beginning, I think, uh, like many uh, Islamic finance professionals, you start when you learn about certain prohibitions and things of that nature. You get fascinated with the new world of Islamic finance. Uh, then as you grow, you realize what Islamic finance actually wants is to embed spirit of entrepreneurship in the community. It wants a business leaders who will step up, do something, change what's on the ground. So they will create jobs for other people. They will solve some uh, things in society. So uh, we have a role in organization that offer all of the different advices. We also do a lot of things uh, to basically help people uh, start and run their businesses in the way that is uh, consistent with our values and ethics.
1: Right, so so it's it's somewhat a business. Uh, is it like an incubation, acceleration, consultancy for businesses and startups?
0: Usually, uh, it uh, it is uh, all of that. But you know, every business is a different. Some businesses, as you as you said, they need a consultation. Some pieces, businesses are already up and running. They might uh, want to know if what they are doing is Sharia compliant or it's it's a, it's a done in a proper uh, way. Uh, and other people, they have a different problems that you, you need to solve, uh, financially structure certain things and arrangement. So, so we provide mainly consultancy advice, training, these kinds of things to encourage uh, uh, business people to step into that arena of business and try, give it a go, and not be held back by a sometimes misplaced belief that, for example, Islam doesn't want you to be active, working, contributing, uh, which is exactly what Islam wants you to have: Islamic lifestyle in all aspects.
1: All right, Alhamdulillah. I mean, I, I, I assumed based on the name that it was more focused on Islamic finance education, but it's, it's really great to know that it's uh, beyond that, and and the education part is, I assume, embedded in the business uh, advice and the business activities uh, that these uh, companies undertake with your guidance or with your support,
0: right? That's right. Business, uh, education can only go so far. It's like teaching somebody to swim without putting them in the swimming pool. How much can education do and what sort of education is that? You need to do it. You need to try it. You need to learn from you trying. And that's why I run other business as well, uh, because it wouldn't be fair for me telling other people how to do these kinds of things and never do it and try it myself. So it's all about doing stuff as, as, as you are doing and, and you know that when you do things, when you try something, whether you succeed or you fail, there is a lesson there that makes you better.
1: Yes, indeed. In fact, this is a topic that really resonates a lot with me because I see there's so much uh, brain power and effort and money in academia and uh, especially even in, in Islamic finance. And uh, somehow, so little of it actually goes out into the real world and makes a difference. And, uh, you know, we have, uh, as I do, as we, as we both run our businesses, we figure things out as we go. But a lot of different, uh, you know, research papers and efforts have gone into solving problems that we are solving on the go. It's just that, you know, they're stuck somewhere, stored somewhere on the shelf or in somebody's hard drive. <laughs> yeah, so, so Alhamdulillah, it's really great to know that. Now, jumping to to, uh, a slightly different point, which is about the condition of the world today, you know, can you give some perspectives on, you know, the COVID situation? You know, is it something uh, that is meant to wake up, wake humanity up? Is it something, you know, that, you know, we look at with with some despair or is it something that we look at with hope? You know, whatever you feel like sharing, go ahead.
0: As our Prophet sallallahu told us, every situation is a blessing for a believer. It's not at all about situation. It's about how you respond to the situation. So when things are going great for you in your life, you need to be thankful for that. Uh, and, and you need to be grateful. If things are not going so great as we see today, we need to be patient. Uh, patient. And the patient in the sense of being actively patient. Uh, we need to appreciate what we have now. Now, economy is on the pause. We have, uh, we have a very deadly virus going around. So at the moment, economy across the whole world is geared towards stopping the virus spread. So we have major slowdown. This is much different from any other uh, financial crisis. If you remember uh, 10 years ago, we had the GFC. That affected us, and many other crises in general affected demand uh, demand size of economy where people were they, they lost uh, psychologically confidence they, they lost the jobs they, they, they couldn't simply buy what is available there this mm-hmm. crisis is different economy is on the pause but mainly from supply side meaning that it's much more difficult to produce things so it's either more difficult or more expensive now when you look at the response of most of the governments They are trying to spend uh, money, give people uh, uh, handouts, uh, write them checks uh, and do everything to stimulate demand size. Because usually that's what you stimulate in the crisis. Uh, You want to enable people to go and spend. But there is very little that, that governments or anybody can do to stimulate supply side. So now, as we go forward, what is critical is to deal with underlying conditions that are preventing businesses to jump back into it and start producing, to bring that back. And this is where I think as, as economy is now in the slowdown phases, what is critical for us is to, to invest in the human resources, in people's capabilities, and the relationships that businesses have with the workers in order to facilitate faster jump back in. Once these conditions are a little bit removed, so we can go back producing. And because otherwise the current situation that produce massive level of debt, massive unemployment, it, it doesn't make sense. The only way to deal with this is to focus on, on the supply side of economy. How do we actually get back into it as soon as we can?
1: All right. Yeah, I think that's a very uh, sharp perspective. And really, uh, we're trying to, to stimulate demand and consumption seems to be a very blunt tool, although the handles maybe are needed for survival. Yeah? But survival uh, alone is not going to get us out of this, right? You know, we need to survive to, be, to reach to another point later on. Right. Look,
0: that that is necessary, that is very important. There are a lot of people who are suffering. Definitely we all, as a society and individual, must exercise maximum level of generosity. And that's the most important thing to remember. On your, on, on your personal human level, generosity is number one thing. But don't forget, government, what they are doing is going heavier and heavier in debt. So the increase of the debt, Will have an effect later on. So, what you want to do here? You want to deal with the core reasons in the background of this crisis.
1: Yeah, yeah. How? Doctor, is getting excited. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, you were mentioning earlier about how you know your your institution talks to businesses and supports businesses. So, what advice are you giving businesses and startups right
0: now? Look, uh, uh, right now, when, when I talk to the businesses, I see that uh, it's a time uh, where, as I said, economy is almost like, as we enter month of Ramadan and everything is on the pause, economy, when it is in recession, it means that it's on pause. Just like we are fasting, economy is fasting. So now it's time for business to, for example, reflect on what they're doing, uh, strategically how we are competing. Uh, where are our supply chains, for example, how far they are? What are we producing locally? What are we uh, depending on somebody uh, overseas? So from a strategic point of view, you want to see and you want to look more around yourself. How can I be more self-sufficient around where I am so that I don't depend too much on the outsides? Also, your number one assets are your people. A lot of people are now investing in different kinds of training, upskilling. In our organization, we have started also looking at technology very much. How do we deliver services specifically in healthcare for example uh, where the patients they have a need to see a doctor so how do we integrate uh, the technology like we are using zoom or any kind of video conferencing with the uh, with the, with the rest of the technology in the health clinic in order to bring our our clients um, everybody together and and I think this is where business needs to have a more strategic kind of view, uh, understanding the new reality that this, this might start happening more and more as we, as, as we, as we go in the, in the future. So what we need to do in order to sort of uh, manage that transition into the new realities of this world?
1: All right, so, so use this time to take stock and use this time to enhance your own internal value. Uh, mainly through your own people and also technology, right? Those are the key points, I that's think. Right.
0: That that's, that, that's right. Strategic thinking in terms of your business, where you are producing, how you're producing uh, technology and all the other tools that we see now more and more in demand and your people. Th- this is the number one thing uh, because it's so easy, especially to lose people, to fire people uh, and, and, and then to jump back into when things ease. How do you get those people back? Those people have yep. a knowledge experience. So, so, you need to create some way to um, find a way to keep relationships with your, with your staff.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Fully agree with that. And it is a challenge for many uh, you know, companies with low cash flow or no cash flow sometimes. You know, how do you keep your people? And if you lose your people, then what are you left with, right? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, different businesses, of course, have different assets, but people definitely saw it's a key asset. Now, you mentioned. And it's, uh, and it's yeah, just go, go. one
0: second on that one. You know, sometimes we think, how am I going to have this conversation with the people? I think we need to be honest. People understand. Maybe you need to cut the hours or cut away. Everybody understands. Uh, but I think as long as there is a discussion, there is a conversation going on decisions are taken in the really in the spirit of uh, of the partnership and, you know, we are in this together, uh, pe- people are quite understanding, you know, if business cannot afford certain things, that's what it is, uh, you know, but as long as we uh, always keep that relationship uh, with, with the staff uh, in our four minds. Yeah, yeah, keep it
1: respectful and open and uh, honest, yeah? Right alhamdulillah. now you mentioned uh, you know the current situation or the new normal or, or you know the the way things have changed, uh, and uh, earlier on you talked about technology, so uh, other than technology, what else uh, would you advise businesses to do in terms of you know, to be more ready or more prepared uh, for this crisis and for you know, the future?.
0: I think one thing that businesses need to worry a lot in this time is cash flow. You know, that's the oxygen that kills the businesses. You can have the most profitable business, uh, but if you make commitments that are just way over uh, logic and reason, uh, that cash flow issue can strangle any business, you know. So I I see a lot of business, they make a lot of commitments. They plan um, uh, a lot of things. Uh, they take a lot of equipment on lease. They take a very expensive real estate uh, for sale or lease. Uh, a lot of stuff. Um, they overcommit themselves. So you have to be to monitor your growth and your cash flow, um, bef- because if you overcommit, if you start very aggressively expending, uh, what will happen is you will start then your your cash will cost you a lot more, and eventually. Uh, the greatest business, if it runs out of the cash, it's it's like the greatest athlete running out of oxygen. It cannot happen. So be be very careful of your expenses. Monitor those expenses. Don't enter into the buying sprees these days. Even if the things are on special and you think I need to upgrade everything, um, don't be be, be mindful. Uh, I, I was just analyzing uh, with some friends. Uh, uh, they were buying some business at the moment. And uh, we were analyzing the numbers and, uh, you know, uh, assumptions, for example, that they made were assumptions based on the last three years of performance, where when you look at the numbers, you need to look at, for example, what's happening with the business last three months, last month, because bear in mind, every business will need at least a year to two years to recover from this, to get to the full swing of things. So just because you lift now COVID-19 restrictions doesn't mean back to normal. It will take... At least my estimate is two years for businesses to back, get back to normal, to pre-COVID nineteen levels.
1: Oh yes, two years is is a long time, and you need to be able to, you know, to last that period, you know, until things are normal or almost normal or to a new or different kind of normal. Yes, indeed. You know, I can share a little bit for for Epis, Uh cash I mean, I'm a business development, uh, growth mindset kind of uh, founder. Right, and uh, you know, along the way, uh, more, more senior people and like my partners have always told me, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. That's the most, the three most important things. And it it, uh, it took me some time to really accept that or understand that. And I think now today I truly appreciate this importance of, of cash flow. Yeah. Uh, uh, moving on to a different angle because we we don't have much time, unfortunately. Although I love to speak to you for a long time. Um, how about Islamic finance? Right? Let, let's, talk about, let's not talk about uh, the past. Let's talk about uh, today and the future. What, what role do you see it currently uh, playing and what role should it be playing or can it be playing in, in, you know, in this new uh, economy today?
0: Well, it's very clear for me for uh, some time that Islamic finance must focus on producing things and solving the real-life problems. This is where the essence and the focus must be. For example, look at the COVID-19 crisis. People now say, what can Islamic finance do? How can we help in the COVID-19? Well, uh, if we were truly prepared, we would uh, you would see a, a healthcare center uh, already established before that are researching vaccines and uh, medical making different kinds of medications. Um, You would have seen a factory that can uh, uh, change to make uh, uh, respirators or the masks or anything like that. So we have to understand that you have to be, uh, Islamic finance is connected with Islamic economy in a sense of uh, it is the driving engine, the engine of growth for economy. That economy must be producing it. Uh, That economy must uh, produce things and employ people. So Islamic finance, really, if we want to to see anything uh, out of this, is that it starts investing in in yourself. I say we need to have a goal where, especially our young people, and if you look at the Muslims, 1.8 billion people, there is almost uh, five to 600 million people who are youth. Uh, if you really want to solve something, especially in terms of Islamic finance tool, you need, we need to encourage people where out of five people, out of, let's say, 5% of our people, they should, uh, they should employ, uh, they should start a businesses that employ uh, five people. So, So I usually say that we have to have at least 5% of the people, maybe 10% of the people, starting businesses in our economy and they're starting the businesses that employ another five people so i think if we can uh orient ourselves our education system our business system put them all together where somebody is given a shot to start a business more and more our education whatever you do maybe you are engineer maybe you are healthcare worker psychologist sports person whatever media you are somehow taught at the same time how to start a business. So out of hundreds of doctors, five will start clinic. Hundreds of engineers, five will start uh, companies that produce something. And then those companies will start um, employing others. I think that, that is the point of that RIBA is uh, prohibited and the trade is allowed. Trade and, and in a sense that you need to produce those things then you need to sell them. That is, for me, entrepreneurship. That is what most of our uh, countries uh, and any country in real, Australia, that's what Australia needs to focus on its own. How to produce things, and especially, for example, in Australia, how to produce things that are of higher values, not just very simple things, more complex uh, manufacturing, uh, added value services. So it's not just barely exporting things and, uh, and just a uh, 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 very very small basic manufacturing jobs
1: all right I understand your points but uh, you know I just want to understand a bit more uh, okay fine Islamic finance the objectives like you said I fully agree with you there I think that makes a lot of sense and it goes back to the objectives of Sharia right uh, but getting more people to do businesses and getting them to employ more people within their new businesses you know, how does
0: Islamic finance fit in? So, for example, I'll give you a very specific example how you can do that. So, for example, uh, when we started our fund, you know, uh, that invest, we, we put the targets. Now, we are still not there. We are, we are just a few years. Uh, but we said that uh, one part will go for this low risk investment, then the medium, but then part of the funding will go to the high, high level risk investment. So for example, if you look at many, I, I've seen many Islamic banks, many Islamic financial institutions, investment institutions, and I often ask them, how much of your funding goes into the startups? How much of your funding goes into the high level risk activities, research, uh, so, something of that sort? So, so I think uh, most of us, and I, and I can see that when you manage money, you are very risk averse. You know, you, you are worried what's going to happen. And I think that's where the, the, the fear can sometimes paralyze a lot of entrepreneurs is that they got so used to uh, just buy the asset, lease the asset, you know, uh, buy this, sell immediately. I know what I'm getting. It doesn't matter what happens to you. So risk is something that a lot of people are afraid until you start taking the risk. You know, when you go uh, to the fishing or when you go into the jungle and you want to go for the hunt, you want to go for adventure. You have your uh, tools and uh, you, you are ready. You have your adrenaline pumping. You are not scared of going into the jungle because you know it's, there is adventure. So that's how we need to look at the business. Uh, business is adventure. And if we get rid of that sort of uh, fear, we will go and, and chase that excitement of, of doing the things. So that needs to be mixed. People who are doing and people who want to do these things. It's again not... Theoretical exercise. You need to create similar to what they have in the U.S. Silicon Valley's, but of many different areas where you will mix people, and they will learn uh, from the real entrepreneurs, and they will be encouraged in their presence to start. And so we start slowly growing like that. Uh, it has to be very practical, connected where money is circulating, and that's economic, Islamic economy principle yes. number one. Let the money circulate with the knowledge. Go to the different hands, find its ideas, and those ideas in a genuine way. Not that somebody picks the winners. No, it goes yeah. into genuine way, picks the right winners because they have a the right idea, and the right idea and the best idea win. If we start doing that, you will see eventually people people coming up with the best ideas, and the economy, you know, feeds off these ideas uh, in the long run.
1: Yep, that's brilliant. You know, uh, at ETHIS, this is something that is, we are very passionate about. Uh, and although most of our activities so far has been in real estate in Indonesia, you know, building social houses, I, I mean, you know what we do. Uh, but moving forward, and, you know, in the past few months, we have been looking at this area, you know, uh, very, very seriously. And I uh, wanted to get your input on this before we end. Um, uh, I, I realise what you're saying is very important. But the willpower and the comfort level of existing Islamic financial institutions to actually do it, you know, is, I would say, very much lacking still today. Maybe there's greater realization, but the actions are still not there yet, right? So Islamic venture capital, angel investment, microfinance, you know, helping small businesses, very, very underserved in Islamic finance, right? I think that's one of, you know, some, some people believe that's one of the biggest uh, uh, shortcomings of the Islamic finance industry today. So what I I did see is that some of these large institutions are able to allocate large amounts for charitable uh, purposes, right? Whether it's CSR, you know, other forms of charity. And and uh, what I'm trying to to consider or talk to these people, uh, to these different institutions is that let's say one bank can allocate $300,000 uh, in, uh, in what you call it, in, in CSR, right? You know, just giving it away. So, instead of doing that, put it into a program to support startups, right? And uh, make it a component of equity or a, a zero interest loan, a cut Hassan for small, small businesses, micro SMEs, and then, uh, you know, embed some features such that some of most of this money comes back to the pool and goes back out again. So every year, 10 Islamic banks put in $300,000. We have uh, 3 million, right? Every year, they add in another 3 million and that money, you know, snowballs and recycles. You know, this is just an an idea that we've been contemplating. Uh, Do you think this would be an easier approach? Because trying to push them to invest, you know, there's so many hoops to jump through and to get there. It's a very painful process
0: sometimes uh, so I think it's a very noble I think it's a very important that we get these banks and institutions and uh, everybody in, in reality involved. this is everybody's problem this is everybody's future. I think um, when I think of Islamic economy in general, I see uh, several points of economy that are very distinct, uh, and that's why you when you when I look at Islamic rules uh, regarding uh, different prohibitions and different things, why, for example, we are not allowed to make money from interest, but we are allowed to, or selling money, but we are allowed to make money from selling things. And that's, for me, it's very clear that Islam separates uh, what is uh, humanitarian, uh, charitable types of work, Uh, and these are the areas where Islam does not want to make profit, don't want to encourage incentives, and uh, uh, areas where you are producing things where Islam allows that we compete. So these two areas are quite distinct. Uh, And in one area, you have people basically in need, Uh, they they can't help themselves. It's, uh, it's, it's exercise in you giving generosity and things of that nature. In the other area, what you want to do, you want to, you want to reward uh, the best thinking, the best mindset, the best uh, uh, solutions and, and things of that nature, so I would have these two areas very separate you know okay. I, I i wouldn't do do this or that you know i I would have it separate because it's it, you need to consider those people who are helping they're not going to become entrepreneurs because you're encouraging them they can't help themselves so they they they, they, they just need to be helped at that moment, so there is yeah. a group of people like that. On the other side, there are people who who might need encouragement. Somebody might need mentoring. Somebody might need uh, wealth. A lot of tech company needs different kind of things. Some are less cash-intensive businesses. Uh, So so I would say that a lot of the dedication uh, needs to happen um, in the pure commercial terms, on the pure commercial basis, because the last thing you want is to create... um, mismatch between sadaka and mixed commercial aspects. And then, and then again, pick a winner and it become a charity again. Uh, Mm -hmm. That is what killed the communism, by the way, you know, because the government used to pick winners money went there and it didn't encourage real innovation. So these kind of ideas, very important for any incubators, any kind of entrepreneurial setting is that these uh, ideas and businesses must succeed because they are the best on their own. Just like, you go to uh, Silicon Valley, they're not going to say, oh, he's my friend, that's why I'm investing. No, no. His idea is the worst idea I've seen. I'm not going to invest anything. But we'll go, you know, have a dinner after that as a friend. So, so you need to be very brutally honest about these kind of things. So, so if something makes sense, let's invest in that, you know. So this is how I would see. And, you know, probably starting by small things, uh, organizing different uh, ideas, seeing why is this important for the country to grow Great example if you look at, for example, these days uh, in, in, in some of our countries. You know, I, I can tell you examples example from Bosnia, from Turkey. I recently, visited. my daughter studied there when I went there. Uh, you know, they, 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 they realize that we need to be producing different things by ourselves. So yeah. I think if we look at these successful ideas and, and push ourselves in that direction, uh, we, we will end up with, the, with a solution that greatly benefits our economy.
1: Brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing that last few points. Uh, and I, yeah, I think this is a challenge sometimes that is overlooked where because the money is charity in nature, the commercial element is, is not made a priority and it's not robust enough. Whereas if it were an investment fund, then that component would be very strong. So we need to combine the mindset of uh, managing a, uh, uh, an investment fund, even though the source of fund or the fund is actually charity. Then that that yes. potentially can, can create the Absol- solution.
0: Absolutely, it's it's very important to be clear what you are doing at that stage. Uh, is this a business thing I'm doing or is this the, uh, uh, I'm helping somebody? Because they are completely different expectations.
1: Yeah, yeah, I understand, alhamdulillah. All right, uh, we've reached the end of this session and I think it's been very, very uh, insightful. Uh, I've learned a lot myself and I, I believe uh, the the viewers and the listeners as well Uh, truly appreciate your time. And before, uh, before we go, any parting shots from you, anything at all that you want to share with the audience? You know, it's a mix of some uh, high level uh, individuals, you know, business leaders, as well as a large group of young people who are trying to figure out, you know, what they can do and what they should be doing right now. All yours. Uh,
0: I think uh, it is very important to, take this time to really think about uh, yourself Um, try to help in your community try to connect with your community Uh, be close to your parents uh, to your elderlies in the community Uh, learn uh, be patient understand there is lots of things in life are waiting for you we are waiting all for young people you are our future learn before you are put in a position where you need to uh, lead and, uh, and find yourself a great mentor. Uh, try to be productive. Engage yourself uh, in, in any meaningful work. And uh, inshallah, the future is bright. We are counting on you, inshallah. I
1: Amin, mean, inshallah. Thank you so much. And with that, we reach the end of uh, today's uh, Ethics X session. Thank you so much, Brother Almir, for making time to share uh, this uh, information with us and all your uh, opinions and insights. We look forward to having you again, maybe in the near future. Thank Take you. Take care and uh, Ramadan Kareem.
0: Ramadan Kareem to you too. Okay. Salaam alaikum. Alaykum